Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. Right now, you're about to listen to a message from our current series. Thanks for tuning in today. Welcome, all of you. So glad you're joining us online. Anybody who's online today and you haven't been back for over a year now, and it's time to get back to God's house. And everybody say amen to that. It's so important. Um, We're grateful that you're here. We are. We are humbled and thankful every time the the doors of God's house are opened and you recognize that you have need of this place. You have need of the anointing here and the word of God that is taught here. And we're so grateful. Hallelujah. Now, Hebrews, the third chapter. If you will open your Bibles to Hebrews, the third chapter. We're going to begin then this morning. We've been doing a series on something called Jesus Christ, the high priest of our confession. The high priest of our confession or our profession or of our salvation and what that means to us as believers. Man, I, I, be, I begin by saying this in, in, in most of the teachings. If you haven't listened to them or heard them, please go back online and listen to them. They will benefit your life. Um, because if you don't understand the priesthood of Jesus, listen, you will never have an effective relationship with Almighty God. This is how important this is. And... Um, Uh, All since the very beginning of time, man, listen, man has always needed legal representation when it comes to his creator. Always. Adam, even before Adam transgressed God's word, he had legal representation, and we'll prove it from scriptures. And it came through the ministry of something called a high priest. And then even uh, how much more after he fell, he needed a high priest in his life, somebody to stand in the gap for him. And just as he did, you and I also have one called the Christ, the high priest of our confession, which we will see here in chapter 3, verse 1. So, well, I'm still in Proverbs. I I apologize. I will get to Hebrews, and then we'll begin there um, this morning. Hebrews 3, verse 1. Now, wherefore, holy brethren, not unholy brethren, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling... So consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. Now, the word consider simply means to fully observe. The word observe means to conform one's actions or practice to. You mean, meaning this, what you hear, you're going to to make a decision to apply it to your life. Do you remember this? It's not the revelation of God's word that changes your life. It's the application of the revelation that changes your life. You can grow in wisdom and just get full of pride. But if you grow in wisdom that, because you're determined that you're, gonna, you're going to apply that to your life on a daily basis, then it will, you'll stay humble before God and it will benefit you greatly. If you agree, say amen. amen. So what are we to fully observe uh, and conform our actions to? And it has to do with Christ Jesus, the high priest of our confession. So when God delivered the children of Israel, which is in the book of Acts, the apostle Paul was inspired to call Israel the church in the wilderness, which, which I think is so fitting because they were. They were God's people traveling through the wilderness to a divine destiny. Now, let me say this. When God brought them out of Egypt and uh, uh, he brought them out supernaturally, read it in Exodus 12, and he brought him out through the ministry and anointing upon Moses' life, okay? And, um, he, brought, and he was leading them to a divine destiny. Not, not 
Yes, he was leading them to the promised land, but that was just going to be their temporary dwelling place. They weren't, that was not their permanent place. Just like, just, like it, um, just like any location we live in America is not our permanent dwelling place. Say, heaven is my home. It is. Okay. And so they were to fully observe, if they did fully observe and practice his word in their lives, they, they would ultimately reach their divine destiny. Well, as you're written, again, let me just say this, as I said in the first service, in Hebrews, Hebrews is a wonderful book, and Vicki even quoted out of the first chapter that in the Old Testament, God spoke to the believers through the prophets. In the New Testament, he speaks to us through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. If you agree, say amen to that. And, um, and so anyway, he had a destiny for them. Now listen to this. Aaron was the high priest that God chose. Listen. And he was the high priest in regards to um, representing the people to God. Moses, on the other hand, was, it was the shepherd. He was the shepherd of the flock of God. He was anointed to represent God to the people. All right? That's like as a shepherd I am. I'm here to represent God to you. Praise the Lord. Even though both of us, we operate also in the ministry of the apostle, or we teach you the word of God uh, so that you can know God in a greater measure. How, how many want to know God in a greater measure? Amen. Hallelujah. So, so every child of God, now because of the death and resurrection of Christ, Jesus is our high priest who represents us to the Father in heaven. On the other hand, he is our shepherd who leads us and guides us into green pastures and beside still waters. That is what Jesus does. Say, say this aloud. Jesus, Jesus. please guide me please by, your spirit. by your spirit. Amen. And he'll do that if you petition him. So let's read. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider or fully observe with the desire to obey the apostle and the high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful. This is what I want to emphasize. He wants you to get across that he was faithful to God even as Moses was faithful. So God, if you're going to be blessed by God, he's going to require faithfulness from you. Not unfaithfulness, faithfulness. Amen. I said amen. And um, let's go on. Uh, verse 3. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who hath built the house hath more honor than the house. And mo uh, for every house is built by some man, but he that built all things is God, including your life. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were uh, spoke to be spoken after. After what? After the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I just want you to see that. This is what it's all about. The Old Testament uh, uh, was filled with messianic prophecies of someone coming who would save his people. But not, I mean, all creation. Jesus came to save both the Jew and the Gentile. Can I have an amen? Yeah, he, he came to deliver us all from eternal death. And of course, he succeeded in this. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. And so, let's go on. But Christ, as a son... Now, I added this as faithful because he's talking about faithfulness. As a son is faithful over his own house, whose house are we? If we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. The end of what? Unto the end of this earth's journey. I just want you to understand that. That, that Christianity is a life. It's you being sold out to God that you're going to be faithful to him until you take your last breath. That's what this is all. This isn't about 
you having faith enough to believe for your light bill this week and then next week you'll abort God. No, you, will, you are sold out to God. Your life is consecrated to God because he's the most important thing in your life. Amen? Amen. And his will is the most important thing in your life. Now, jump ahead to Hebrews 5, verse 1. It's on the screen. For every high priest taken from among men or is, ordained, is ordained for men and women and children in things pertaining to God. I mean, well, what are the things pertaining to God? Everything having to do with redemption. Everything having to do with your life as a believer. All the things, spiritual things, not, not natural, spiritual things, okay, pertaining to God, that he, the, the, now he's talking about the Old Testament high priest, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Now, verse 4. No man takes this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron. So also Christ, now we're in New Testament. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest. He didn't choose that ministry, okay? He, but he that said unto him, that's God the Father, said unto the Son, Thou art my Son, today I have begotten thee. As he said also in another place, this is in Psalms 100, verse 4, Thou art a priest forever after the order or the rank of Melchizedek, all right? Now, the word Melchizedek means the king of righteousness and the king of peace. Now, listen to this. The kingship of Christ over your life, the kingship. He's got to be king. The kingship of Christ is what provides humanity right standing with God. Now, listen to this. As far as Melchizedek, I don't want to waste a lot of time trying to figure out who he is. Was he the Christ? Was he not? That's not important of who he was, but what he represented. Listen to this. Uh, he... His, his um, ministry or high priestly ministry was Abraham's divine connection to God. I just want you to catch that. He alone, Melchizedek, was, was Abraham's divine connection to his creator, okay? Melchizedek was Abraham's legal representative that provided him access to both God's presence, God's power, and God's provision. I just want you to see that, praise God, Okay? So let's read it. Genesis 14 confirms this. Now, after Abram returned from his victory over Ketelamor and all the, uh, his allies, the king of Sodom went out to meet him, uh, Abram, in the valley of Sheba, that is the king's valley. And Melchizedek, the king of Salem, that means the king of peace, Salem or Jerusalem, and a priest of God most high, brought Abram some bread and wine. The bread and wine signifies covenant. So Melchizedek was entering into or establishing or confirming the covenant that God had entered into with Abraham. So the high priest is qualified here to cut covenant with Abraham so that, listen, so that Abraham, Abraham can bring to pass something he can't do on his own. How many believe that you cannot live a Christ-like life on your own? You absolutely need God's help. You need, the, you, listen, you need the full cooperation of the Holy Spirit, and you need the full insight of God's word in your life, which comes to you on a daily basis. But the Bible calls it bread from heaven. Okay. So let's go on. Now, Melchizedek blessed Abram. Now, again, for a second time, I don't... Abram, that was his name until Genesis 19, where God changed his name to Abraham. So I just wanted, it's the same guy, okay? And there's a reason for that, but I'll tell you later. Uh, he blessed Abram with his blessing. Now, here's the blessing. Blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth, 
And blessed be God most high who has defeated your enemies for you. Can you give God a good shout of praise? Come on, give him a good shout of praise. That he, God, defeated your enemies for you. God did that through his death and resurrection. Amen. I said amen. amen. Then the Bible says, then Abraham, or Abram, gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods he had recovered. He, isn't that funny? He gave him the tithe. See, I told you this, and it's true, whether you believe it or not. Tithing is all the way goes back to the Old Testament. People say, well, I don't tithe. It's under the law. No, you're under stupidity. Uh, <laughs> tithing started in the Garden of Eden. That tree of the knowledge of good and evil represented the tithe. Don't touch it. It belongs to me, God said. The tree of knowledge of good and evil always reminded uh, Adam that he didn't know anything. God was the owner of all things. And he was simply the manager. So when you bring your tithes to the storehouse, what you're saying is you're confirming to God that he is your provider. He is the one who makes you, gives, gives you favor and blessing. Hallelujah. Amen. I said amen. I was just talking to a brother up here who owns a gutter company. And he said, you know, business has been slow. You know, we've been believing God. And, of course, he's been bringing this highs. And he says, all of a sudden, all, say all of a sudden, hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. He gets a call from a guy. And he said, you know, usually we get a you know, couple thousand dollar job. He said, we got an $18,000 job. <laughs> Amen. And I just rejoiced with him. Hallelujah. Come on, rejoice with him. Amen. That happened to us all the time in the trucking business. All the time. I mean, I'd be so dead silent in the wintertime going, oh, how are we going to make it? And I'd go out and prophesy to the winds, and I would command the angels to go forth and get us business. And I'm telling you the, oh, glory to God. Now, I mean, the phone would ring in the 30 below weather. Someone has to move. Holla, holla. I mean, I'd get so excited. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So, Abraham gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods he had recovered. Now listen, Melchizedek held the highest position of spiritual authority in regards to man's relationship to God before Christ. If not, listen, he, he would not have been able, he, he wouldn't have had the judicial authority to bless Abraham with God's blessings, nor the judicial authority to receive the tithe from Abraham, listen, on behalf of God. He was the highest representative at that time uh, in heaven regarding man's connection to God, okay? Now, Hebrews 6 records how Abraham gained access, listen, to God's unlimited power, which brought the promised child Isaac to fruition, whom through the seed of Abraham, Jesus came. So let's read Hebrews 6. Now, when God made a promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater than himself, he swore an oath on his own integrity to keep the promise as sure as God exists. And, and why was this important? Because the older that Abraham got, uh, uh, the farther his promise got away from him. I mean, the, uh, every year that promise and the natural grew farther away from him, not closer to him. You understand that? Because finally he came to a point in his life, well, Sarah could never have children. Uh, she was barren from from childhood. And of course, now he's at the age where he's past even being able to produce seed uh, for such a miracle. And so in the natural, nothing, in the natural, it's not possible except for faith. Hallelujah. And except for a high priest called Melchizedek, whom, whom, uh, who cut a covenant with Abram. Hallelujah. See, things may be impossible in your life, except for God, Amen. except for God. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Let's go on. So he said, have no doubt. 
Have no doubt, Abram. Don't you doubt. You stay in faith. I promise. I, God says, this is God speaking. I promise to bless you over and over and give you a son and multiply you. And when I read that multiply you, I wrote this down in my outline. The love you have for me and the faith you have in me. That's what I want to multiply. Do you hear me? See, that's what God wants to multiply in your life in other people. Their love for God and their faithfulness to God. That's what God wants to multiply in your life to others because he loves people. So, and he goes without measure. So Abraham waited patiently in faith and succeeded in seeing the promise fulfilled. Now, God gave Abraham a promise he knew he could not achieve on his own, which was what? Here, here's the promise. First of all, number one, the means to a spiritual relationship with God. That's what Abraham wanted. This wasn't about... If he would have been focused on the temporal, he would have built a mansion because the guy was wealthy. He could have just driven down stakes, a foundation, and built a home, but he didn't. He was traveling, traveling, looking for that city whose builder and maker is God. Is that beautiful or what? He was only focused on the eternal, not the temporal, okay? Number two, God knew his righteousness within man couldn't be achieved by human effort, but only through the spiritual force of faith in what God had promised Abraham in the beginning, a land flowing with milk and honey, or a seed, Isaac, or redemption through Christ. That's what he was believing for. So the spiritual force of faith is what gave Abraham access to God's favor, to his presence, his power, and to all that he needed to fulfill his will. Amen. Now, Galatians 3 confirms this. Let's put that up there. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons. Say, I'm a son of God. Okay, you're a daughter of God. Today, hey, you know, everybody's confused about their sex. <laughs> For in Christ Jesus, you're all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ, into a spiritual union and communion with Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, have put on or clothed yourselves with Christ. Look at verse 29. And if you belong to Christ, are in him, who is Abraham's seed, then you are Abraham's offspring and spiritual heirs according to the promise. Yeah. Amen. So not only, listen, not only are you heirs to all of natural, uh, Abraham's natural blessings, because Genesis 13, it says that Abraham was very, say rich. He was very rich. Amen. He didn't pursue the temporal. He pursued the eternal. And because the eternal was first and foremost, he got everything else. The Bible says in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, the right way of living, the right way of doing, the right way of thinking, the right way of speaking, and all these natural things that the heathen seek after will be added unto you. Come on, give God a good shout of praise for that. Amen. It's true. Hallelujah. Hebrews 6, verse 15. I got to get through these verses this morning. Praise the Lord. So one o'clock is dinner. No, I'm just kidding. So Abraham waited patiently. Watch this. Abraham waited. Uh, waited how did he wait? patiently, in faith, and succeeded in seeing the promise fulfilled. Now, it is very common, and that's, he's just making a natural example. Here. It's very common for people to swear an oath by something greater than themselves, for the oath will confirm their statements and end all dispute. Now, let, let's just bring it this way. Let's say you, you need a vehicle. So you go to the bank, and, and because your credit is decent, they borrow you the money for a vehicle. And so that you can have the vehicle right now to get yourself to work and back home again. And you cut a covenant or you write, write out a contract with the bank and you're promising them a return of interest back on that loan so that, it, that that loan benefits them 
just as much as it benefits you. And then the government backs that loan up so that, now today it's easier than what it used to be uh, as far as file bankruptcy, but, um, uh, but if you didn't, then you, uh, you, you, were, you were required to honor that covenant or that contract. If you agree, say amen. amen. And by honoring the contract, you could get up every morning, not full of fear, thinking any day now, I could ding dong, and we come to take your vehicle. You, you don't have to worry about that if you've honored the covenant. Can I have an amen to that? And so that was where Abraham was. He was resting in the fact that God gave him a promise, and no matter how impossible it is, he was willing to wait. He was willing to wait patiently for that promise to be fulfilled. Listen, and there came a, uh, uh, there came a day, there came an hour, there came a minute, praise God, when God quickened the both of their bodies, hallelujah, with his resurrection life, and he was able to give birth to the promised child. Come on, give God praise for that. Hallelujah. He, same in your life. He will, you will give birth to those things you're believing God for if you just let patience have its perfect work. Amen. Let's go on. So, so in the same way, God wanted to end all doubt and confirm the, what, confirm the oath even more forcefully to those who would inherit his promises. His purpose was, and his promises, plural. It's not only eternal life. I'm telling you, kids, we've got a glorious future ahead of us. Now, it's not here. I said it's not here. It's not here. It's in heaven. Amen. Let's go on. Uh, so to those who inherit his promises, his purpose was unchangeable. So God added his vow to the promise. So it is impossible for God to lie. For we know that his promise, we know that his promise and his vow will never change. Meaning he will honor it. And now we have run into his heart. I love this part. To hide ourselves in his faithfulness. Did you catch that? You hide yourself in God's faithfulness. He will honor his word and bring it to forth in your life. I don't care what it is, he'll honor his word. Come on, give him praise like you believe it. Now we have, now, and then he goes on. This is where we find his strength and comfort is in his faithfulness. And he empowers us then to seize what has already been established ahead of time in unshakable hope. Let's go on. We have this certain hope like a strong, unbreakable anchor holding our souls to God himself. Our anchor of hope is fastened to the mercy seat which sits in the heavenly realm beyond the sacred threshold where Jesus, our forerunner, has gone before us. He is now and forever a royal priest like Melchizedek. Hallelujah. Amen. I mean, what does that mean? He's here to bless your life. He's here to heal you, to deliver you, to set you free, to give you peace, to give you strength, to guide you by his spirit. God is in the house. Come on, give him praise. Hallelujah. God is in the house. In your house. He lives in you. Thank you, Lord. So what was Melchizedek's ministry? It was actually twofold. It was to confer the blessing and receive the tithe. That was his ministry. Confer the blessing and receive the tithe. That was his ministry. That's Jesus' ministry. Amen. To confer the blessing. How many want your life to be blessed? Amen. But again, look at there. There was faith and obedience uh, faith and obedience was required on Abraham's or Abraham's uh, behalf, and, and and he stayed. He stayed. He didn't just think if he'd have gave up on that ninety eighth year and said, you know, God, I'm sick and tired of I, I, all these years. I've been faithful to you. All these years, I've been standing on your word, and look at nothing. 
See, your confession will snare you and trip you up from God's best. Or you can give him praise that no matter what, he's faithful to his word. Amen. No matter what, he's faithful to his word. You can do that because he is. I said, because he is. Amen. Now listen, to confer the blessing and receive the tithe, then the tithe wasn't just money. God wants the tithe of your praise, the tithe of your worship, the tithe of your love, the tithe of your giftings and talents and your subservient hearts. Listen to this. This isn't, this is just math. There are 168 hours in a week. So the tithe on that would be, we just round it off to 16 hours. 56 hours for work, 56 hours for sleeping, which leaves us 56 hours for both your spiritual and personal life. Now, 50 minus the 16 of the tithe for doing God's business leaves you with 40 hours to do what you would like to do. But unfortunately, listen, for, there's a far higher percent of believers that that's not the case. Mark 4, do you remember what Jesus said would choke the word? Cares of this world, the deceitfulness of, other, uh, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust for other things. And I mean, uh, years ago, Pastor Vicki confirmed this, they used to, and Richard, uh, our friend, would, he, he had to wait two years to get on the list for serving in church. There were so many ahead of him in line. And today, we can hardly get anybody to serve anywhere in the local church. Just think, we go to church one hour, if you go to church one, uh, one, 90 minutes a week, and you think that you should have 100% of God's attention in your life. Angie, and then we shouldn't have to beg for, I shouldn't have to even, I shouldn't have to say anything about the men's conference. You should, men, you should know, you bless God, you need it. Whether you feel like it or not, you need it. Amen. I mean, it's amazing, the women, how smart they are. Vicky doesn't have to bend their arm, you know, threaten them. Women just get signed up for anything. Hallelujah. Men, I could promise you a trip to Hawaii, you'd still have a tough time coming. So it's time to jack up. Can I have an amen? Jack up and get signed up. Hallelujah. It's spring training camp. Hallelujah. And God's got some things to say to you, and he will. So we have all these things going on in life. And then when warfare hits, we wonder why we don't have the inward strength to conquer it. It's because of the compromises in our lives. I'm not, I'm, hey, I'm talking, to the, I'm talking to the choir here. You're all here. I said, you're all here. You're getting ministered to. But there's so many that take it very lightly. But how many, come to, that's yourself. What are you doing? In the local church, where are you serving? Where are you involved? I'm just saying, just think about that because God, I mean, the, we shouldn't have to try to get a choir. We should have every one of you flooding up here that can carry a tune, praise God, and say, I want to get involved. So that we have to turn 50 away. Amen. Sure glad I received the offering earlier. Hallelujah. No, this is, this is, this is, you know, I mean, wherever. Wherever, all the different areas of ministry need help. I mean, I just applaud, and I don't say it enough, and I feel bad about this. I don't, I don't, I don't applaud enough these precious, precious men and women who serve in children's ministries and in the nursery. Can we give them a good clap offering? They're probably listening right now. Why don't you do it like you mean it? And if you're part of that, thank you. The bus ministry. Same thing. 
It's sacrifice. There's not, there's not any natural reward from those kids back to you. But God notes everything. Nothing gets past him regarding your service for him. Can I have an amen? amen. Let's get back here and read these next verses so we can close. Hebrews 7, verse 20. Now, God took an oath that Christ would always be a priest. Now, watch this. I want you to show you something that's cool. Although he never said that of other priests, only to Christ, he said, the Lord has sworn and will never change his mind. You are a priest for how long? How long is Jesus our high priest? Amen. Forever with the rank of Melchizedek. Okay. Now, because of God's oath, Christ can guarantee forever, forever, the success of this new and better arrangement. Now, under the old arrangement or the Old Testament, under the Levitical law, back in, you know, uh, uh, Leviticus, uh, under the old arrangement, there had to be many priests to that, uh, so that when the older ones died off, the system could be, still be carried on by other priests who took their places. Now, watch this. But Jesus lives for how long? forever and continues to be a priest so that no one else is needed. He is able to save, that word means to deliver, protect, preserve, and make whole completely all who come to God through him. No other way but through Christ. Now, since he will live, how long? Forever. He will always be there to remind God. Watch this. He will always be there to remind God that he has paid for their sins with his blood. Hallelujah. Now, he is therefore exactly the kind of high priest that we need, for he's wholly blameless, unstained by sin, undefiled by sinners, and to him has been given the place of honor in heaven, which is what? Our high priest and things pertaining to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, listen. The Lord said to me, listen, man needed a high priest before he fell, he needs a high priest during this compensation, a dispensation, and we're going to have a high priest in heaven forever, forever and ever. That's pretty powerful to think that we need a high priest forever and ever, but we do, and his name is Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? I said, isn't that beautiful? I just praise God for that promise that we have him who supports us. Now, this is just a couple more verses here. Hebrews 8. Now, what are we saying to this? Christ, whose priesthood we have just described, is our high priest and is in heaven at the place of greatest honor next to God himself. He ministers, watch this, he ministers in the temple in heaven. See, I've said this to the earth because I've studied it from Hebrews, that there literally is a temple in heaven. There's a worship center in heaven. Listen, there's a holy of holies in heaven. Hallelujah. The Ark of the Covenant, praise God. And I'm telling you, the, uh, uh, we have access to that place right now, praise God. Amen. Amen. See, kids, when you go to God, you know, I, I, we have a lot of young kids here today, and I just, I, we're so glad we accepted Christ in our hearts when we were young I was, you know, barely 21, and, and, and she was 18. We surrendered our lives to Christ. But uh, it took me years to realize that God, now this is going to help, you know, God is not outside these doors across the street, and, and, you know, you can't even see him. He's not in another state far away. He's not on another planet. I mean, in the sense of he, you know, he is spirit, and when Jesus tore that veil, a curtain, that separated the holy place from the holy of holies, when he tore that open, he said to everyone, come into my presence. Come into my presence. I said, come into my presence. 
So I want you to know that. When you go to God and you know and remind God that Christ Jesus is your high priest, you literally, you literally go into God's presence. I want you to see that. And how do you go there? You go there by faith. Anything in the spirit realm, you have to take by faith. You have to take it by faith. You have to take God's love by faith, his forgiveness by faith, his promises by faith. you got to worship him by faith, praise him by faith, give by faith, serve by faith, love by faith. You got, I mean, it's all faith until we get there. But this is good stuff. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. So there is in heaven a real place called the Holy of Holies, where the mercy seat of Jesus is, and upon that mercy seat is his blood. You know, when that blood poured out of his side, kids, that was not natural blood. It was not natural blood like it was God's eternal blood. Because that was the only blood qualified to cleanse us from our sins. Isn't that beautiful? So why is that important for you to know? Because when you go to God, listen, you, you will never, I don't, I never go to God feeling fit. Because how can imperfection approach perfection? Only through Christ. Only through Christ. It's the only way. I mean, what do you do when you transgress God's word? You come to God with a heart of humility and repentance, and you say, Father, please be merciful to me. And guess what? God will be merciful to you. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, that, hey. <laughs> I don't know about you, but that's a good place to shout hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Let's finish up here. Hebrews 10. Oh, this is good stuff. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's, we, uh, we can boldly enter uh, heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. Now, by his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way, life-giving way, through the curtain, there it is, through that veil, into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, which is us, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him, trusting that he's there, trusting that he's listening, trusting that he's responding, he's caring, he's loving, he's merciful, and he's caring. Can I have an amen? You have to trust him for that. Thank you, God. Let us go right into his presence with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water, which is, of course, the word of God. And so let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promises. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I said amen. Give God a good shout of praise for the word today. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I want the musicians to come forward. And I want you all to stand this morning. I want to pray for all of you. One day I was, um, you can come up, musicians. One day I was, um, many, many years ago, I was praying. I was about right here. Usually, I, I don't know, for some odd reason, usually I come right to the center. and I can't believe there's not a path worn there. And I, I pray there. But I was over here one Sunday morning. And I was praying right here. And had my, I, I, I had my face planted on the carpet, worshiping God. And all of a sudden, I found myself in the Holy of Holies. And I was there, and right here was Jesus' feet. I never looked up. It was so holy that you can't even, I mean, you feel so 
Secure but insecure. Because it's flesh coming in contact with spirit. And I found myself right in his presence, worshiping him. And God taught me that day. Please listen, because this is important. He taught me that day that I had a right. Not because of me or what I've done or not done. I have a right as a son of God to come in to the throne room of grace. See, and I think that is where we lack a lot of times in not seeing what we need to see in regards to God's guidance because we just don't take time to do that. So kids, please listen. God isn't out there somewhere. He's right on the other side of your faith. Right on the other side of your faith. That's where he is. He's there. I said he's there. He's more real than this building. But we cannot contact him with our senses because we're held captive by this Adamic nature. But the moment we step out of this body, we are in the presence of the Lord. Because Paul, Paul said to depart from the body is to be present with the Lord. Is that beautiful or what? So, so I want all of you to know that. Number two, every one of you are qualified to go into God's presence. Because it's not based on your performance. It's based on his faithfulness. Number three, God loves us unconditionally. Psalms 103 says this, that he understands that we're of, of the earth. We're earthy. We're of the dirt. He understands we carry dirt upon us. He understands because he was part of it. So he's extremely empathetic. Listen to me. He's extremely empathetic. What does that mean? I mean, he's sympathetic. I mean, he's so... He's so He's so passionate. He cares so much about you, even when you are a misfit, even when you mess up, even when you just really mess up bad. He still loves you and woos you to himself so he can get things corrected in your life. Is that beautiful or what? Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning services at 8.30 and 10.30. We also have a midweek service on Wednesday nights from 7 to 8. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.